Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, welcome back to the Man Coverage Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Payton. Uh, got another great guest this week. I, I, I'm excited about this one. This guy, he has been around the Lions for quite a while, 18 years, actually. Uh, I am super excited to welcome in the Detroit Free Press's Dave Burkett. Dave, thanks for coming on today. Man, you know how to make somebody feel old. <laughs> if you want to feel if you want to feel older, your first year covering the Lions beat was my freshman year high school is that right so wait so my first year covering lions was kind of 2007 ish i guess um i don't know oh i was in okay i I started at the oakland press right before that you know i covered colleges and pistons a little bit everything but yeah it's been it's been a long time yeah well you're linkedin you're linkedin i see i i i had to do some research today so your linkedin says that you were you've been covering the lions beat for the uh for the oakland press uh since 99 and then you took a year off for annarbor.com to go cover michigan and then started your uh your current job at at the free press does that sound about right or probably not uh 99 i was still in college that's when i well i graduated i guess december 98 so 99 was my first job out of college i was out in virginia way back then um but it's still still feeling old man it's been a long time you know a couple of kids yeah. running around now and uh yeah seeing a little bit of a little bit of everything except for really good football i guess from all the, the years i've been covering teams Sure, sure. Well, hey, let's. Uh, I like to start it off kind of going back in time here. Um, I'm going to go back. Let's go back to the beginning. Let's go back to Madison Heights. Uh, tell me about your early upbringing and and uh, kind of you know how how sports impacted you early on in your life. Man, I think uh, that's probably why I got into sports writing now was because, you know, all I liked to do growing up was play sports. And, you know, when it came time to, like, think of a job or what you wanted to be, it was it was like, let me figure out how, a way to, to stay involved with sports, you know, knowing that I wasn't going to make the NBA despite my, you know, eight-year-old dreams or whatever I had. It was, I guess, my, my options came down to, to doing this or being a coach and, um, you know, coaching, teaching, I guess that was sort of my – my cognate was what they called it at Michigan State, you know, my minor, I guess, my fallback plan. But, uh, you know, stumbled into to this side of things and, and been here ever since. But, yeah, when I was growing up, I was just, you know, I was a gym rat. I played a lot of basketball, baseball, you know, did whatever out front, you know, played played football in the street, you know, kind of any any sport that was that was available. I'd be running around the neighborhood playing it with all my buddies. 
So my research uh, found, so you went to Bishop Foley Catholic High School. I, yep. I, I don't know how I found that, but I definitely found that. Uh, now, did you play any sports while you were there? Yeah, I played basketball and baseball when I was there, you know, all four years. Um, you know, it was, I mean, I was, uh, I was blessed to, you know, maybe our teams didn't have the best records. We were a smaller school playing up in competition, but I played with some pretty good people. Um, you know, Mark Campbell is a friend of mine. He played at Michigan. He played about 12 years in the NFL. Um, you know, I played with uh, a few other guys that, that went on to play, you know, college sports. I guess I probably had a, a chance to play some small college, very small college basketball, but, uh, you know, didn't foresee that taking me anywhere. So went to Michigan State, uh, you know, did the big school thing and, and figured this was a good way to get into uh you know, get into the journalism side of things. And, uh, you know, I, I was, I think I, I picked the right path because that was a, it was a good start being in East Lansing and getting to cover a lot of Michigan state sports when I was growing up. So, uh, coach Izzo wasn't, uh, coming to scout you at any of the Bishop basketball games. then? is that what you're saying? Yeah. I don't think that I was, uh, you know, again, maybe in my own head when I was young, but you know, you quick, quickly realize when you start going to camps and playing AAU ball and stuff like that, where, you know, maybe maybe you don't have the uh, you know the, the short kid who you know can't shoot straight and you know isn't uh, isn't maybe as quick as as he once thought he was. Uh, you know, you're not you're only going to get so many looks, and, and most of them are from your parents. Yeah, you had to have some sort of strengths on the on the court. I mean, were you a tenacious defender? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, I mean, I love playing. I still play now. You know, I mean, I was a point guard growing up, and uh, you know, I. Uh, you know, as I say now, you know, I'm, I'm too old to get to the hole now. So, but I can still distribute and play some D and, you know, I, I still have never met a shot I don't like, but, uh, you know, that doesn't mean they all go in. So I just, you know, I have fun with it now and certainly I liked it back then. And, you know, it's still sort of a, you know, I, uh, I coach my daughter's sixth grade girls basketball team. So basketball is still the one sport that I, I still am, you know, fairly involved in, I guess, even at my, my advanced age. So when you were at um, MSU, did you get a chance to cover uh, any sports there for like the school newspaper, that sort of thing? So I worked for the school newspaper for, I don't know, maybe a year and a half. And then I uh, I basically went to work for the Lansing State Journal. I mean, I was a stringer at the time, an intern essentially. Uh, but I spent a couple of years doing that. And I covered Michigan State football and basketball for the paper. Um, you know, at the time, it was a very small sports staff, so they used a lot of college students to, to sort of, you know, supplement the coverage. And probably, you know, I don't know, 10 or 12 of us on, on you know, staff or that pitched in. And, and Larry Lage, who's with the Associated Press, and I, you know, we were the two writers that, uh, you know, got to got to go to football games and, you know, NCAA tournaments and things like that. And we would crash on the floor of the, you know, the, the real writers' hotel rooms and, and you know, try to – try to boot you off their per diem and, uh, but just kind of scrapping for, you know, 25 bucks a story at the time. And, you know, Larry and I still get a kick out of that, you know, every once in a while, but that's certainly how I got my start. You know, like I said, I, I did that for a couple of years and you know, that certainly gave me the, the experience and the clips that I needed to, to land my first job coming out of school. Um, that was out in Virginia and, uh, you know, spent about a year out there and came back and covered a whole lot of everything before I started down the NFL path. Um, and again, my first year covering the NFL was really 2007. I didn't, I didn't cover it at the beginning of that season. Um, but our, our Lions writer had left and, uh, you know, I, I guess I got an opportunity to do that. I did the 2008 season and that's when I went to, to Ann Arbor.com, the, 
sort of a boot newspaper chain at the time and uh, covered Michigan for a year before I I came back to the NFL. I like to tell people, you know, I, in all my years covering football, I've, I've seen a, I'm sort of an expert on bad football, right? I mean, I covered Michigan State when John L. Smith was there. I covered Michigan when Rich Rodriguez was there. You know, I did 0-16 for the Lions. I did that whole season. And, uh, you know, even now, I mean, I've, uh, uh, you know, three playoff games, and, and I guess that's good. And I think the Lions did have a pretty good team back in, you know, 2014. But uh, I've seen a lot more losses in my days than I have wins. Yeah, it's uh, well, you know, as a fan and also as somebody who's covered the team, it it's uh, it's definitely it, it's difficult. Although I don't know, I, I and I wonder how how you feel about this. It, I find almost find it easier to write about the team when they're losing. Do do you have that same? Do you have that same thing? Well, I think it's just because what's what we're used to. You know, it's probably not easier. I mean, in in a lot of ways, you know, you're. Uh... Look, you know, people like, you know, they, they think that a lot of people on, on this side of things, you know, they, they enjoy when a team loses and that's not the case. I mean, I, you know, I, I can honestly say not a fan, not, uh, you know, a hater. I just, it's just a job at this point, you know, in my life. And, but having said that, it's a whole lot easier when they win because you don't have to worry about, you know, coaching searches and meeting new staffs and new front offices and, you know, the more continuity there is, the, the the easier it is, I think, to do your job. So, um, you know, maybe on some level there's there's different stories to to write. Certainly, when they're they're losing, than they're winning. But, you know, everything being uh, being balanced, I, I think it'd probably be easier to write about a, a consistent winner. So, I definitely want to talk, you know, uh, uh, about your your job on the lions beat but i i found this really interesting uh story that you did so you went and climbed mount kilimanjaro with john l smith is that is that true yeah. what's that all about yeah no that's that's one of my favorite stories of all time i uh you know young whippersnapper and i was covering michigan state at the time and just sort of you know john was he was an adventurous guy i really like covering john because he was somebody who like you know, the the job was it was more than football to him, right? It was, I mean, he, he enjoyed some some different experiences in life. And at one point, he was he was going to Africa with his family, and the uh, the MSU Alumni Association sort of opened it up for boosters, you know, people to join them. And uh, you know, I I just asked them. It was I remember it was like a spring practice press conference, whatever. And I just asked them after the press conference. I said, Hey, what do you think if I go uh, climb Mount Kilimanjaro with you? He's like, come on, let's do it. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I was at the Oakland Press at the time, and uh, honestly, they didn't want to foot the bill. It was going to be an expensive trip, and I uh, sort of so I pitched it to a bunch of different publications to see if anybody would want me to do a freelance story on it. And ESPN, the mag, picked it up. Um, ended up being, you know, a lot, you know, big photo story more than it was me writing. I mean, I, I wrote to go along with it, but it wasn't. Uh, the pictures were so great that you know they they had to focus on that the magazine being what it was at the time made sense, but, uh, allowed me to go do that. I did end up writing some for, for the Oakland press. And, uh, it's just one of those experiences that, you know, I like to, when I do career days and such, I, I tell people that I'm lucky, you know, I never would have in my life, I probably never would have done that if not for the job. So there's a few things like that, that I've been fortunate to, uh, to see and do in my career. So did you, did you reach the summit then? Did you get to the top? Oh yeah. Yeah, no, we, uh, you know, get it. I mean, look, you know, it sounds probably a lot more impressive than it is. I mean, it, it's the highest peak in Africa, so it's great, but it wasn't a technical climb. I'll tell you, you know, the, the, 
the guy that I went up there with or that was with our group that ESPN had contracted to, to take pictures. His name is Jimmy Chin. You know, look him up. Amazing photographer. Uh, he was like a professional climber for North Face. Just had like, I, I, I believe uh, that he had got off Mount Everest like, you know, a month or a couple months before like we did this. Like he shot like the behind the scenes footage of of like an IMAX Everest film or something like that. Like just crazy stuff, right? So, um, but, you know, we, so it, this guy's used to technical climbs, you know, where you're like grappling up the side of mountains and, you know, clinging for your life. And this was, this was nothing like that. So I, I just need to make sure that I always put that out there, right? It was still an awesome experience. And we did, you get to the very top, you try to time it up the last day, you like leave your campsite at midnight. So you can try to get up to the top when the sun is, you know, rising. And uh, it was an awesome experience. And, uh, you know, like I said, I, I in fact, the one image beyond just being on the mountain, seeing that, uh, you know, everything it took to, to do that. I mean, we were up on the mountain for, I think, five days. It took five days to get up, day and a half to get down. Um, you know, the one thing I always remember is we're driving, you know, we went into town. And uh, there were two kids walking on the side of the road, and one of them had a sandal on one foot, and one of them had a sandal on the other foot. Like, that's just how poor it was over there. But, you know, people were just happy as can be. And, and so I, I just – some of those memories and some of those things that, you you know, you'll never get to experience again, with you know, apart from the job. Um, man, it just uh, – you know, it was, a, it, was a, it was a great – better than a great story. It was a great experience to do. Yeah, I've never I've never climbed a mountain uh, or even a really tall hill, uh, but I I've I've always thought that going up might be the easier part, even though it takes more time. But it seems like going down would be the scarier part. No, look, you know, the going up because it's so high, you have to you know you have to acclimatize. Like you you'll climb, and I you know I don't know the exact you know altitudes, but. Let's say you, you go up to 10,000 feet the first day. Well, then you set up camp and then you like hike up another thousand feet and come back to your campsite just so you kind of get used to the altitude. Right. And then the next day you're up at, you know, 13,000 feet, but then you go up to 14,000, same thing, just to acclimatize to, to kind of get your body used to it. And there's nothing you can do to train for that if you're not, you know, if you haven't done it. So, you know, Jimmy, the, the photographer, you know, he's used to it. He lived in like Jackson Hole, Wyoming. You know, he lived at altitude. It was nothing for him. And I was fine. Honestly, it didn't impact me until the very last last day um, where and this might have even been when we were summiting, you know, we're trying to get up to the top. And uh, I brought a satellite phone with me. And I, I tried to do a radio hit for uh, I think it was the old WDFN at the time. And, uh, you know, the reception, it just it didn't work on the mountain. It's a satellite phone. You know, who knows what I was thinking back then. But we, we tried to do it and it 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 when it didn't work, it sort of like, I don't know, it, it like took the, the energy out of me. And then all of a sudden I like felt it. Like I was like, Whoa, like I'm, you know, 18,000 feet up in the air here. And like, you know, it doesn't, you know, it didn't quite feel right, but powered through it got to the top, you know, made it all the way around the, the, uh, the top of the mountain to, to the, the peak, took the pictures and then, you know, made our way back down. Wow. Yeah, that's that's something. I mean, I I think that might you know that's that's got to be a bucket list item for me just to climb a mountain at some point in time. I guess I got to try it, even though I'm terrified of heights. But so uh, you, as you mentioned earlier, um, you know you've been with uh, you've been with the Free Press since uh, the uh, 2007 season. You've been covering the Lions since 2007 season, I should say. Yeah. Um, you have any uh, 
interesting stories. I mean, you know, there's, there's a world that a lot of fans don't get to see that, uh, that you get to see every day. Um, whether it's traveling or across the, uh, the country or even to London, uh, on a few occasions. And, uh, I mean, do, yep. do, is there, is there any, uh, memorable stories you take from that? Oh man. Uh, try to think of a good one here for you. I mean, you're right. You know, you do get to see a lot. I've been to, you know, I think about 10 Super Bowls now. Um, you know, those are, again, now they're kind of, you know, this is, this is one thing, right. And cause people always say that, and, and it sort of goes to the point about not being a fan anymore. You know, I, uh, the Super Bowls every, every February, right. And sort of in the middle of our, our basketball season. And now I'm to the point where everybody's always like, Oh, you get to go to the Super Bowl. What's it like? What are the parties like? You know, how great is that? And it's work, you know, again, I'm sitting up in the press box and I got to crank out a couple stories right as the game ends and, you know, rush out and rush down. It's the longest week ever because you're just, you're, you know, hanging out on radio row and trying to go to these, these press conferences or maybe trying to hit a party that somebody's going to be at that you need to talk to. And so it's just like the longest week ever. And on some level, and I do the hall of fame voting too. So my Saturday is like completely devoted to that. And on some level, I'm like, man, I just, I'm, I'm probably like the only person around that's like, I could do without the Super Bowl because I've been to so many of them now. And the week is, I mean, no one should feel sorry for me, but I'm just saying that's kind of how the job is where you're like, oh, it's work. I want to go back and coach my girls basketball team. You know what I'm saying? So it's, it's definitely, um, you know, as, as, as unique as the job is and as, as great as some of the experiences are, once you've had a bunch of them, it kind of, you know, warps your thinking a little bit. And so you always have to pinch yourself and remind yourself, like, you know what, that's pretty cool. I just got to see one of the greatest games, you know, in NFL history. And I got to write about it and document it for everyone to read for all time. You know, something I'm interested about, I I, I remember, I don't remember when this was, this is probably three or four years ago, but um, I, I think it was NFL Network or maybe it was ESPN uh, you were on there doing like a national hit. I think it was during the Super Bowl time. Um, and I've often wondered, like, you know, I, I, I've, I've never done TV and I, and I don't think a whole lot of the beat guys have done TV. But what's it like to be on national television? I mean, is that nerve wracking at all? No, I think, you know, it's sort of the same thing where it just comes with a job. Like, I don't I don't remember the first time that I did it. Um you know, at, at least on any sort of regular basis, it was probably for Fox two once upon a time when I was still at the Oakland press. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure if I look back at some of those, if I had any of those videos, you know, I'd, I'd probably, you know, kick myself or my mannerisms or, or my delivery or, or whatever it may be. But now it's just, you know, it's one of those things that you don't even think about. You just kind of, you know, hop in front of the camera and do, or pick up the phone and do when they, when they call you for the most part. So, uh, I think, you know, my mom and dad, they probably get a, a bigger kick out of it than I do. Uh, you know, I just do them because, hey, if someone asks, and especially if I know the person, you know, I'm, I'm happy to help out. So then also, I'm I'm, I'm curious about another thing. I So I've got a, a quick story. So I was at training camp maybe two years ago, and Kurt Menefee was there. And I I got um, unbelievably starstruck, uh, so starstruck that I went up to the guy and, and you know and I I started talking to him and and I realized that I never introduced myself and he he grabbed my you know my credential and he said oh it was nice to meet you and he grabbed my credential and said oh Mike okay uh, so you know it, it you've been on the beat longer than than any of the guys uh, that I'm aware of other than Mike O'Hara probably who's been on the beat since. Yeah. 
now that's an old timer. That's an old timer. Do you do you get starstruck anymore? Uh, I mean, does you know you see any any wow. athletes, old guys that you you know rock up to Roger Staubach or something like? Oh my God, it's Roger Staubach. Anything like that? No, I don't. I mean, um, you know, the, I'll tell you when I was going back to being in college in uh, Lansing. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, when you're when you're a young guy, you're maybe you're kind of nervous about doing some things. And and I remember covering the Lansing Lugnuts, and uh, I don't even remember, you know, who some of the people were, but I distinctly remember talking to the manager at the time, and you know, I, I think I had probably called him coach or something like that. And one of the one of the it's probably a third base coach or the hitting coach, one of the assistants, let's just call him. Um, you know, he said something to me. He was like, Hey, you know, is, is he your coach? You know, no, don't, don't call him coach, call him Mike or whatever his first name was. And so it just sort of like, you know, he was, he was just trying to give me some advice. Like, Hey, you treat people like, like, you know, they're on the same level as you, you know, uh, they certainly, you know, they're professionals. They know the job you have to do. There's a mutual respect there. And that's completely how it is now, you know, with every player, with every coach, with, with owners, with whoever you just, I mean, they're, they're people like you and I, and yes, they make a lot more money they're worth a lot more, you know, they're, they're in the spotlight, but uh, you know, I think that that went away a long, long time ago. And, you know, I grew up in this area. So certainly, you know, I, I, I grew up watching the, you know, the 84 tigers or, you know, Barry Sanders in the, the early nineties and, you know, I, again, I think when you, when you step back from the job and you remind yourself what you're doing, that, that maybe, you know, you can appreciate the, you know, the, the cool factor, I guess, from, from what it would have been like for you as a little kid to be in that position now and, and, um, you know, all that the job entails, but honestly, in the moment, it just sort of, you know, is what it is. You know, I, I don't, I don't get awestruck by too much. I think the only thing I've been awestruck by is, you know, like riding the elevator with Sean Bradley one time and seeing how tall he was or standing next to to Shaq, you know, at the podium during the NBA finals and seeing how massive he is and, and, you know, seeing how, you know, being up close and and feeling, you know, some of those, the hits that, that you see on TV. So those are the things that, that I guess I appreciate and that make me say, wow, a lot more than, you know, meeting someone or, or seeing someone. Uh, you know, that, that we, most people only get to see on TV. Yeah, it's, it's definitely, it's definitely interesting. And um, yeah, it, and it's something that like, I try not to, uh, to do anymore and, and it doesn't really happen that much, but you know, like you, you get to meet, as you mentioned, like, I, you know, I got to met to interview Herman Moore a couple of years ago and that, that was a big deal uh, to me. Cause you know, he was so important, uh, you know, to me as a child, he's one of my favorite athletes in Detroit. So to get to talk to him for the job, you know, it, it was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, I, I get what you're saying. As time goes on, you start to see these guys as just normal people and who are just really talented athletes. So, but it is a strange, yeah. it is a strange world that we that <laughs> we work in here. <laughs> but uh, so I want to get to uh, the Lions with you, but first I got to take a quick break. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. 
Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, welcome back to Man Coverage. I am Mike Payton. I'm here with Dave Burkett of the Detroit Free Press today. Dave, the Lions won on Sunday. Can you believe it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, you know, especially after the way they started, it was it was certainly unexpected. Um, you know, look, give them credit. They, they played, especially defensively, a game that I don't think a lot of people – you know, expected out of them forcing three turnovers. Um, but we shouldn't maybe be all that surprised, I guess, right? I mean, this is a team that was better than their 3-12-1 record last year and, you know, probably not as bad as they looked at times during that 0-2 start. Still think in, and thought that, that Arizona was the better team going into that. But, uh, you know, this, uh, maybe it, it gives a little glimmer of hope, at least, for the, the season ahead. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to give uh, Matt Patricia any leg up, but realistically, you know, DeAndre Swift catches that ball. The Lions are two and one right now. I mean, you, you know, obviously he doesn't catch it. They're one and two. Um, but, you know, you tweeted something earlier today. We're recording on Tuesday night here. You uh, tweeted something earlier today about the Lions' future opponents being six and 18. So yeah. I'm, cu- I'm curious. I mean, if you're speaking to fans right now, should they have any optimism? going forward well i mean uh you know i i sort of yeah i mean don't write the season off right i, I think you know i said that even after week one when they blew that loss and, and even though it was a little harder to say after week two i kind of you know begrudgingly said that too like don't don't write the season off yet there's 14 of these left you know you never know what happens and when you look at the upcoming schedule, like it's manageable. I mean, look, the Saints are one and two, but they're they're still a pretty good team, and so I I probably won't be picking the Lions to to win that game. All right, um, but after that, you know, Washington, Carolina, Jacksonville. Uh, I mean, those are three of the you know six or seven worst teams in the NFL probably. And regardless of what your record is as a Lions, you're more talented and you should win those games. Minnesota's not playing good. I mean, that's another. Those are two more games, right. That, you know, that, that you should win. So I, you know, there's, there's certainly, you know, potential pitfalls ahead. You know, the Colts are probably better than people give them credit for and it's never easy going on the road. So certainly not going to just chalk up a win against Jacksonville or or some of the other, you know, trips that they have, but yeah, you look at what's, what's ahead and there's, there's definitely reason to believe that this Lions team still could find its way into the playoff hunt at the end of the day. So, um, you know, obviously it's an overreaction uh, that Lions fans have a lot. They have a lot, this overreaction. Um, I mean, do you think 
that there's a chance that uh, come January, the Lions are looking for a new head coach and potentially a new GM. Certainly in the cards as well. I mean, probably, you know, if you're playing the odds, even more of a chance that that happens than making the playoffs. Um, look, at, you know, it's it's a weird year, right, with everything that's gone on with, with COVID and, um, you know, all the, the changes in the offseason and to the season itself. We'll see what happens with, you know, cases, uh, you know, here with, with teams in the league right now. But, um, you know, I, I came away from that meeting last year with – with Sheila Fordhamp, um, just believing that the Lions needed to make the playoffs this year to, to for in order for them to keep their job. And, the, you know, the Ford family didn't say that at the time. And I, I thought they were right not to say that, right? You don't want to box yourself into the cor- into a corner and all of a sudden you win nine games and Stafford gets hurt again. And, and you know, the team shows enough progress that, that you still want to keep those guys. So you don't box yourself into a corner. But the, the tone of that meeting was certainly that, you know, they need to make the playoffs and they are on notice and they need to do that now. Well, you know, that's changed a little bit, I think, because of COVID and because of everything that's happened. And, you know, talking to Rod Wood before the season, you know, he sort of said as much that you have to evaluate based on, you know, the situation you're in, not on what you want it to be. Um, so I don't know that it's it's necessarily playoffs or bust anymore, but they still need to 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 really take a step forward where you – the end of the season you look at this team and the the program and you say yeah i believe in the direction that they're headed uh, you know and they did some good things on the field and absent that i i think you know they they do make a change and depending on how the season goes that you know could include both coach and general manager so i think that's certainly in the cards um again way too early here essentially the beginning of october to to say you know what's going to happen or it absolutely should happen i think they will get this this year to to prove themselves but um barring you know a significant step forward um i think it's something that that Sheila Ford certainly has to to consider uh okay so speaking of reactions um this is another thing that alliance fans obviously do a lot and i want to get your opinion on this this is sort of a human sort of thing here so you've been around the Lions beat for a while. You've seen a lot of rookies come and go. Um, you know, Jeff Okuda had a, a pretty bad game on Sunday with some with some highlights. He got, you know, that great tackle uh, and uh, and an interception, obviously. But other than that, he's he's been the worst graded uh, rookie uh, by pro football focus so far, but he's not alone. Isaiah Simmons is doing bad. Derek Brown's doing bad. Tua hasn't even played a game yet. So it, it's a really interesting draft so far, but the, the thing I really want to ask you about is, is what do you, what do you think about, you know, fans and they want everything to be instant. You know, do you think that's reflectionary of the fact that we live in sort of an instant culture where, you know, everything that we get is just right there at the snap of the, the finger and, and we never have to really wait on anything. I mean, it just seems so odd to me because, you know, there are other things in life uh, that we accept um, that take time. You know, we accept that some certain things take time. But when it comes to athletes, you know, mm-hmm. if it's not immediate, then we call them a bus. So what do you what do you think about that? Do you think there's that's just a human thing or? Yeah, no, I don't, I don't fault fans. I mean, you know, you want your team, if you're, if you're investing your time, effort, energy, money, whatever it is into, into your team, you know, you want some reward and you want it to happen now. And I think you're right. That that is the case with just about everything in life, right? We, 
you know, we, we want the instant gratification of whether it's the pat on the back or the monetary reward or, you know, in, in any walk of life. So I think that's just manifesting itself in sports. And again, it's, it's not easy to do, but when you step back and you realize that, man, this guy, you know, is playing Jeff Okuda that is, is playing with, you know, essentially six weeks of practice he's making his debut in because there was no off season that, it's okay for, for people to, to stumble a little bit out of the gate. You know, not everyone comes in and, and dominates right away. And that doesn't mean they're going to be a bad player or they're, they're doomed for failure, but um, you just, you know, it's tough, but you got to keep it in perspective sometime. But having said that, I don't fault fans at all because especially around here when you haven't had a lot to cheer about for so long. And, and when you do see, you know, other rookies have success, right? Clyde Edwards, Alaire. I mean, there's 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 plenty of them that are having success. Patrick Queen was off to a pretty good start. You know, you, you always say, nah, why can't the Lions do that? I, I think it's kind of a natural reaction. Yeah, that's yeah, that's fair. Um, I could totally understand the the impatience that that Lions have, uh, you know, Lions fans have, because you know, I am a Lions fan and I do have that impatience as well. But I there's something about Akuda that feels different to me in the sense that, you know, I look at this guy and his work ethic and, uh, you know, his willingness and wanting to learn. And I just feel like, uh, you know, yeah, he's going to have a slow start, but I, I think in the end it's going to pay dividends. I think he's going to be somebody who is going to be a, a, a star someday. I mean, would you, would you concur with that? Do you think he's going to be a, a stud one of these days? Yeah, I'm high on him. I mean, I think he, he has all the talent, you know, in in the world to, to be a really good player. I mean, it, it certainly takes more than that uh, in the NFL because there is so much talent that goes around. But, you know, I've heard good things about him, you know, going back to the, the pre-draft process there. Um, look, he's, he's going to have some growing pain, pains and cornerback is a position where, you know, your confidence can get shot and, and never quite catch back up because of, of what you're asked to do, really. So, no guarantees. You know, I was, I was on the pick from, from the get go. I liked it. I thought it was the right move at number three when they couldn't trade. Um, so yeah, I, and you know, going back and watching how he played, I did my, my film review after week two, just on his game, uh, you know, and every, every snap that he had, I was a little more, I felt a little better about how he played after watching it on film, uh, you know, watching the, the tape of it than I did watching it in person. So um, I think again, sometimes we just need a little bit of perspective, and that's not always easy to find in this, you know, instant gratification society. Yeah, totally, totally agree. Um, so just to wrap this segment up here, so the Lions, obviously, you know, you talked a little bit about it earlier. The Lions got the Saints this Sunday. Um, the Saints are—they're a great team. They—they they certainly don't look like the juggernaut that I think we thought they would be this early in the season. They're at one and two as well. Um, what, what do you, you know, it, do you think that the Lions could win this game with or without Michael Thomas in, in the Saints lineup? Yeah, I mean, uh, early in the week, but like I said, I'm, I'm not going to pick the Lions. I mean, again, it's not, you know, it's one of the games that it wouldn't, um, totally shock me if they won the way the Saints have been playing. Uh, if Michael Thomas is back, that's a little bit of a different animal. And, and the one thing that does concern me about the Saints, as good as that offense is, is that, just looking at the numbers, I haven't watched them yet, but just looking at the numbers for now, they're not throwing the ball downfield, you know, and, and we saw that last year with like Phillip Rivers, whose arm was shot, right? He came to Detroit and it's Phillip Rivers. And then all of a sudden you see him on the field and you're like, eh. And I, I wonder if that's the case with Drew Brees a little bit. So 
when I sort of dig in and watch them a little bit this week, that's one of the things that I'll be watching for. And, and that's why I think maybe the Lions have a chance. But for now, I still think the Saints are, you know, uh, as I look ahead three months from now, I think they'll still think they'll end up one of the better teams in the NFL and NFC at least. And, uh, you know, they just need to get there. And, and, you know, maybe this game this week against the Lions is the thing that gets them started. Yeah, I know I said that was going to be our last question, but he just kind of reminded me of something. So thinking about Drew Brees, Phillip Rivers, Tom Brady, the, the older quarterbacks in the league, do you think you think Stafford gets to 40 in this league? I think he gets to 40. I don't know if it'll be in Detroit. Um, you know, I think, uh, you know, Matthew's a, I mean, he's a talent enough player and he's done enough in his career um, that, you know, he'll he'll have some rope with, you know, whatever – team wants to to keep him employed and maybe it's still the lions um you know if they have some success here then i certainly think he stays in detroit you know if not if there's a big regime change um that's when i think maybe things get a little dicey maybe he wants out maybe the team wants uh wants us to just start anew with a young quarterback go cheap um again that's that's a, a talk for a long time down the road but I, I definitely could see matthew making it to 40 he's you know he said he wants to play as long as he can and uh, if his health holds up the back, the arm, um, I think he will. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think that this, he's one of those guys that's, he's going to stick around forever. Um, so, all right. Uh, we've got our final segment coming up after the break. We're going to put Dave through the lightning round. So stick around. All right. Welcome back to man coverage. We've got Dave Burkett from the Detroit free press with us today, and we are going to put him through our patented pride of Detroit lightning round. All right, Dave. So this is 10 questions. This is uh, there's some sports, there's some entertainment, there's some food. There's a little bit of this and that. Yeah. Uh, some of the people who, who have gone through, they've all survived it. So are you, are you ready? Let's do it. All right. All right. First question. Here we go. What are you watching right now? What are you streaming? What do you got going on? The Netflix or the Hulu? What are you watching? All right. Look, I'm going to tell you that I'm probably going to be one of your more boring guests when it comes to some of this stuff, because <laughs> if when I'm not working, I'm, I'm not even joking with you. Like my life pretty much revolves around the kids and all their activities. And I find myself running to my daughter's cross country practice or my son's baseball or whatever's going on. So what I'm currently watching right now is, is nothing. I mean, I don't, I'm not a streamer. I don't watch much on TV. Um, you know, if it's not uh, the NBA playoffs or a Monday night game or something like that, there's probably not much that I'm watching on TV right now. That's fair. Hey, that's not boring because you're, you're the first person that's different. Hey, you know what? I'll tell you what something. <laughs> when it, when it's the off season, the thing that I do watch a little bit, and again, this is probably boring is I usually have CNBC on the, in the background. So that's again, nothing great, but uh, you know, I like to keep up on, uh, I like to keep up on my money too. Okay. Fair enough. CNBC. All right. Uh, any, any big stocks we should be looking at Dave or? <laughs> I think we missed uh, missed the big run up, right? Uh, back after everything <laughs> crashed here after Corona, Tesla's up like yeah, three hundred percent or whatever. Yeah. so it's rewind time a little yeah, it's bit. Hard out there. Go big on that one. Yeah. Right. Uh, okay. So, what? Who's your favorite football player ever? I know this is going to be a hard one. All the everybody who's been on here has picked two or three guys, so you're welcome to do that too if you want. My favorite football player ever. Um, all right, so uh, 
you know, it was probably Barry. I mean, you know, again, just growing up in Detroit, you couldn't go wrong, right? Barry was amazing and watching him play, um, you know, he was phenomenal. But uh, I'll tell you, I'll give you a couple other names, just guys that, uh, and I don't even know how, you know, he this guy got into being one of my favorites, probably from like playing with him in, in video games. But Aeneas Williams, I used to love Aeneas it, Williams is, for some reason, like, I couldn't even, you know, Arizona. Yeah, I mean, it's not like a guy that you saw on TV a lot, so I think it was probably from video games. But, you know, when I was playing football, you know, I'd be, I'd be the guy that'd be trying to, like, pressure, like, playing defensive back on you, you know? So it was, I don't know, Aeneas Williams was is just, the like, the most random answer to that. So he, he would be another guy that sort of off the wall that I would kind of throw in that uh, that mix. And, and then, you know, the other – just conversation that I, I certainly remember having with, with buddies, even up through high school was like, I was a Dan Marino guy and other people were John Elway, you know, one of my good friends, Shane, he was a John Elway guy. So I, I know we used to have, you know, those conversations that, uh, you know, I, uh, I like Marino. I like Randall Cunningham too, but, but I think, you know, Marino was sort of my guy back in the day. When you were talking about those rare players, I thought you were going to pull out Carmen Messina or something. Or uh, no, no, you know, here's another one. Here's another one that I that I remember from back in the day. And again, this is like video game style, right? I think it was probably Madden or something. But Eric Swan, like who who remembers Eric Swan, right? Big defensive lineman. Not like, me. I, I yeah, no, he just I think he like he had some wild story, and I don't even remember it off the top of my head. Like he basically went from high school to the NFL, like didn't play like major college football, at least but went like the semi pro route or something like that. And so it was just one of those like random stories that I used to play video games with the, I don't know. They're probably the Phoenix Cardinals back then. And Eric Swan and Aeneas Williams were like my two guys. Yeah. Just looking at Eric's uh, Wikipedia page, you're right. He, he, he went to like a community college and then played uh, for some, some team called the Bay State Titans, and then wound up in the NFL. <laughs> there you with go. Six pick with the sixth pick. Yeah, that is incredible. Wow, <laughs> I don't know how you that's, do that. <laughs> no, that's my. Those are my guys. I'm telling you, like I, those are the guys that I used to love back in the day. All right, now here's a, here's a tough one for you. Uh, Backstreet Boys are in sync. Shoot, I couldn't even tell you a song by either one of them uh, off the top of my head. Uh, <laughs> Backstreet's back tonight, right? So I'll, I'll go with Backstreet Boys, I guess. Uh, all right, we'll take it. Uh, dogs or cats? Wow, that's a tough one because uh, I had a cat growing up. I'll go with dogs. I had a cat growing up, you know, great cat, Kirby. Still miss her to this day. Uh, named after Kirby Puckett, by the way. My uh, my sisters got to pick out the cat, and my brother and I got to name it, and we named it Kirby after Kirby Puckett. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm kind of allergic to cats now. Like, my dad has one, and I can't really be around the cat hair so we had a dog that uh that died a couple years ago but uh it's a great dog i never had a, a dog really before that so definitely would get a dog again yeah yeah dogs are the way to go in my opinion as well so All right, now this one's this one's another hard one here. What what's your favorite movie? I know you, Friday. I know you're not watching no, all that's that. That's an TV. easy one. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm definitely not. You know, it's funny because uh, uh, I was texting with uh, a uh, 
the athletic director at my daughter's school, right? And he was, you know, we were talking about well, this is when gyms were opening up, and he was like, movies are opening up, and he had a movie he wanted to see, and I was like, bro, I have not seen a movie in the theater in, I don't know, five years, maybe longer. And he asked me what movie was the last time I saw in the theater, and I was like, I don't know, it was probably Frozen or like Captain Underpants, it was something I took the kids to, right? It was, I mean, I, I just I watch movies on the airplane. That's when I see my movies. But uh, favorite movie of all time would be Friday. I mean, classic. You know, used to have the the DVD back when those were a thing. You know, we'd watch it in college. Uh, Friday was definitely my go-to. And, and Hoosiers, that was another one. I used to love Hoosiers too. Back to the whole basketball theme from the beginning of our conversation. Those were those are my two movies. You must have been pretty pumped when the Lions picked up Brad Kaya then. <laughs> you know it. That's right, right? Uh, his mom <laughs> was, was was certainly in that. So that's there's no doubt. Yeah. I think I All wrote right, a story. So this next one, I, his mom. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> no, I was just saying. Oh, I think I wrote you? a story. Yeah, right. and I was, yeah, by Felicia or something, you know. So it was a it was a great great you know tie in to my uh, my youth. I'll have to check that out. I have to look for that one. Uh, all right, so I put through I put everybody through a different scenario every week. So I'm gonna give you, let's say, all right, I'm gonna put you on your opponent's 35 yard line. I'm going to give you 45 seconds left and a timeout. And the 2003 Detroit Lions, you're you're down uh, a, you're down six points. How you win in the game? Oh man, who's uh, 2003 Detroit Lions? I guess that's Joey, right? His second year. That's um, Joey. Roy on that team as well. I'm probably not winning the game if I have the 2003 Detroit Lions, <laughs> but. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> what am I trying to do? Maybe I, maybe I would play Mike McMahon instead of Joey and uh, see what I could get going with his legs. Um, I guess I'm. I mean, I'm throwing. You know, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to be shy about it. But yeah, I'm probably throwing to 2003. That was Charles Rogers. He was probably hurt then, but let's say he was healthy. So I'm probably looking at Charles Rogers and you know tossing a couple balls his way and, and seeing what I can uh, seeing what I can get going. All right. Fair enough. Uh, we've got four questions left here. So I think I know the answer to this one already, but if you could be a pro athlete, what sport would you play? Uh, yeah, I'd go with basketball. I mean, it's big money and that's a sport that I always loved growing up. So, you know, why not guaranteed contracts? NBA would, would suit me just fine. So come, you, you graduated in college what year then? December of 98. So I was there December when Michigan State started making its yeah, final four runs. So, so you're going into the the '99 draft. Who, who, yeah. who do you want to pick you? Ooh, uh, Spurs man. won it all that year. It was a lockout yeah. shortened year. You know, uh, I mean, Lakers. Like, I'm. I guess I got to go with the Lakers, right? That's another like conversation I remember having, right? I think, you know, the the whole Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, you know. Uh, throw Jordan and Isaiah and the, the, the thing. I was, I was, a, I was a magic guy back in the day. You know, I used to have the, the purple and, and gold, you know, converse cons and yeah. So I, I, Lakers were probably, that'd probably be the team that I'd want to suit up for. Plus, you know, the off field opportunities or off court opportunities being in LA. Right. You could get that movie career going. There you go. All right. Exactly. Uh, all right. What's your, what's your go, go to pizza toppings? Uh, just stick with pepperoni for me, man. You can throw some sausage on it. Like I could do a meat lovers, but, uh, 
like I said, I'm a pretty, a pretty, uh, you know, plain guy. So I like the pepperoni, you know, keep vegetables away from it, away from me for that matter. And, uh, I'd be happy. You, uh, you, are you, you're aware that Justin Rogers and Kyle Mikey both, they, they, uh, they constantly dog you for okay. your food takes. Yeah. Look, see these guys, they don't know. I mean, they go out to these fancy restaurants and they order a board of like lunch meat. Like, I'm like, come on guys. Like you can get that at Kroger. Like, what are you doing? Like, why don't you get the filet, some asparagus, you know, some uh, mashed potato to go with it. Like, let's do something. Let's do something that's, that's good and filling and going to treat you right. And, uh, you know, they, uh, I'm just not, you know, they like to try all these, these crazy different things. I, I've always said, you know, my, uh, my bosses would probably know if I ever like cheated on my expenses because it's the same thing every time. Like I'm getting a steak or maybe, a, uh, some chicken, uh, a pasta dish, I'm getting a little dessert and that's it. You know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, you know, spending on alcohol. I'm not going through something crazy and, uh, you know, trying something random. I just, that's what I eat too old to change at this point yeah you know i i i'm with you i am on your side on this dave because you know i'm they're out there eating <laughs> diamond encrusted shrimp and stuff and i just it's just ridiculous man hey i like you uh, know i mean again I'll, I'll try some of that but i'm not if if you throw a menu in front of me like i'm gonna go with what i know and what i know is gonna be good to my palate you know i don't i don't want to get something that i'm gonna regret in the morning or you know waste my waste my per diem on food that i, I don't like so I, uh, I stick with it. Maybe get some pancakes in the morning. You know, it's uh, I'm a pretty simple guy. A little smoothie, you know, at the airport. That's, uh, that's kind of what I do. You go with what brought you to the dance, and pancakes right. brought you to the dance. <laughs> you know it. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Uh, two more questions here. Nike or Adidas? Uh, probably Nike. Uh, I don't know that I got have much Adidas, but I got some sweet Nike kicks. So I'll go with Nike. Might even get, might even put Under Armour over Adidas, but uh, you know I don't hate on Adidas. I just don't have a lot of it. Sure. Back to the whole CNBC thing, you know, I, I did have some Under Armour stock that I sold a while back. So, you know, oh, is that uh, right? Did you clean up? It's a on good that investment. Or? No, I, you know, I made a little bit, but uh, it was just one of those things. You can sell it, you take a little profit. You know, I I've, I got Nike on my saved stock, you know, tracker right now, so I'm keeping an eye on that one. I don't have Adidas up there, so. I'm going to put Adidas down my list. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Final question. This is the big one. This is the one that I love asking people. So here we go. Dave Burkett, are quarterback wins real? <laughs> they are. And I'll tell you why. I mean, look, we all know it's oh, more than just the quarterback, right? No, 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 no. Listen, I don't, I don't mean to say that, that that's like the stat. It's only on quarterbacks, but quarterbacks are judged at the end of the day by how successful their team is and like it or not when you're the the most important position in professional sports and you're front and center of everything like you're going to be judged on whether you take your team to the playoffs how far you take them in the playoffs it gets talked about when we're in our hall of fame voting all the time you know this quarterback had success in these moments he led his team to super bowls he did this in the playoffs um it's again, it's not all on the quarterback. We all know that, but I don't think it's wrong to, um, you know, equate a team's success on some level with how good that quarterback is. The best quarterbacks in NFL history, Tom Brady, Joe Montana, you know, Johnny United, I mean, guys that have won, right? If you don't win, you just are not considered in that class. So I think wins matter 
for quarterbacks more than most other positions, even though, even though all the positions share in the success or lack of success of a team. So I, I mean, I've, I've shared my feelings on quarterback. <laughs> wins on the That's quite a bit. I, I, I think hey, I know, my, I know it's my unpopular opinion. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, but I, you understand I, what I'm saying. Right? One, I'm not saying it's only I do, about totally. the quarterback, but yeah. Totally. There, there, so I just want to throw this out to you. Like, I think in a way that almost kind of makes it unfair for I'm now I'm looking at the young quarterbacks here, high draft picks uh, go to, you know, a crappy team uh, and it doesn't work out for a long time or three, four years or whatever it may be. Uh, how much of that is, can you really put on the quarterback if the rest of the team sucks? You know, you can only do so much like Stafford, for example, that 2009 team was almost as bad as that 2018 um, yeah. I, I just don't know what he could have done or what any of these young quarterbacks could do to, to turn those teams around. Um, and they're being judged for those losses at the same time that they're getting judged for the wins. So I think maybe there's some situations where guys never really got the chances they deserve based on being on a bad team and the perception that quarterback wins are important and are real. You think that's yeah, fair? Look, I- well, I, I tell you what, I mean, I think there's so much that goes into a quarterback success too, right? It's not just about the talent. I mean, Patrick Mahomes is the most amazing quarterback in the NFL, you know, but, but part of why he's so successful is because he's in a great system for him with a great play caller and great talent around him. I, I do not dispute that at all. And I think, you know, you can go back in history and for a lot of quarterbacks, it's about, you know, having the, the time and being in the right system and being in the right era. I mean, Doug Flutie, right? Doug Flutie was never anything in the NFL. If he played in this era where maybe he could use his legs a little bit more and being a short quarterback wasn't an issue, the guy would probably be a successful NFL quarterback. So I do think there's a, a lot that goes into it. And, and I think it's important sort of going back to what we were saying about the instant gratification society. It's important to have patience because as much as fans and some people would, would get angry about Stafford's early you know, lack of success, you, you stay the course and you see what kind of quarterback you can become. And I think, you know, across the NFL, you know, time will tell on guys like Sam Darnold too, who has the worst team around him and is probably in the worst situation in the NFL. But I think he's probably a better quarterback than, than most people realize. So um, again, I, I, you know, I don't think you can be a uh, a great quarterback unless you have the wins to 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 back up you know everything else that that you do. But I, I think you can be a, a good quarterback and maybe you know not have a lot of success on the field if that makes sense. Okay, that, yeah, that's understandable. I, I I mean I get what you're saying. I I, I somewhat disagree with you, obviously. But I get yeah. what you're saying. No, it's, I mean, look, again, I know it's the unpopular opinion. I just, I think, you know, you got to win to be considered elite. And if you don't, it's, hey, it's not all your fault, but I'm just not going to consider you elite unless you can lead your team to some championships. So I got to throw, I got to throw a quick bonus question on here. I know it's just a 10 question lightning round, but I got to throw a quick bonus question on here. Cause I, you know, you reminded me that you're a hall of fame voter. Um, is Matthew Stafford ever going in? Not if he doesn't win anything, you know, I mean, uh, you know, I've, uh, I, I would say he's got a lot, a lot of, a lot of, you know, work to, to do to, to get there. I mean, he's going to have 
some really good numbers at the end of the day. But when I when I think of Hall of Famers, um, and this is just me, and I do think some people in the room, a lot of people in the room sort of share this view, but when I think of Hall of Famers, I want you to be the best player at your position of that era, you know, for some stretch of time, or at least being in the conversation where, you know, you're one of the two best or three best. And Matthew, um, as good as he's been at times and as, as, as awesome as some of the numbers have been, He's never been that top, you know, two or three quarterback of this generation of this era. So um, I think that's more than anything will will hold him back, you know. And I think the best quarterbacks, you know, they walk in Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, you know, those guys are, are no doubters. And Patrick Mahomes probably will be one day too. And there's some other quarterbacks that'll make it, and you know, maybe their rings help them get there. But um, at least when I think of surefire Hall of Famers. Uh, I think that's one of the, the criteria that tops my list. I think you need to be an all pro caliber player. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess, I guess the big, the big thing that I'm thinking about here is it, and who knows if this ever actually happens, but the idea is sort of that Stafford is, he's kind of next in line for that all time career yards record. And, you know, maybe even, I don't know if he'll ever get to touchdowns or not, but he's definitely probably next in line for that, uh, for that all-time career yards. I mean, do you think anything like that would ever get him over the hump or is it really just got to be that wins? Well, you know, I, I think it, um, more than the stats, again, having been in, you know, these conversations for, I guess, six years now, like the stats matter, but I don't, I, I think they're complementary to, to some of the other, um, you know, things that, that people really feel and see, you know, the eye test being, you know, the first and foremost, you know, those, those all pro teams, like more than pro bowls or more than anything, they do matter. Like, uh, you know, I have a book, I have a big book that has, you know, everyone that's, that's up for the hall of fame every year, they send it out. Right. And at the back of the book, there's, there's a chart of like everyone that's in the hall of fame and, you know, their stats, you can sort of compare their stats and their pro bowls made and their all pro selections, first team, all pro selections and their, you know, championships won, you know, uh, both league championships and, and super bowls. And so, you know, when you look at those numbers, there are very few quarterbacks, very few players that were not, you know, first team, all pro multiple times that, that, you know, made it into the hall of fame. And so it's just, um, you know, we can say there are awards and they don't matter. And, and, you know, maybe the Pro Bowl doesn't quite as much anymore, but I, I do think that recognition sort of goes back to what I was talking about that, you know, if you're considered the best or one of the very few best at your position for, you know, some period of longer than a year, you know, of some, you know, uh, point of, of your career that, uh, you know, the, those people get into the Hall of Fame. And if you're not, there's just too many you know, good players, uh, you know, that, that don't cross that line to people say it's, it's the, the hall of fame, you know, it's for the, the great players. It's not, it's not just for the good players. So I think those, those are things that push people over the top. Well, I guess, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. And, uh, maybe that Super Bowl shows up one of these days. I don't know, but, uh, <laughs> Hey Dave, I want to thank you for coming on today and, uh, thanks for taking some time out of your day. And I know you're a busy man and, um, we really appreciate you being on. And do, do you have anything you'd like to plug before we, we get out of here? No, nah, nothing, man. I, I'm happy to do it. And I think everyone knows where to find me, you know, freak.com or hit me up on Twitter at Dave Burkett. You know, I always try to try to interact with people on there, though. You know, sometimes I, 
I uh, stay away from the, the social media more times than others. So, but uh, happy to do it, and, and always, uh, always good to, to talk to you. All right. Well, again, thanks for coming on, and thanks for everybody who uh, listened this week, and we'll see you again next week. Thank <laughs> you.